God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. Hallelujah.
towards us and sparing us and saving us. Oh, Lord, you are good and you have been good. And we give you praise and glory and honor that forevermore you will be good to your people. And we will give you praise and glory that you alone are worthy of. And if you agree with that, shout amen. Give the Lord a hand. Just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Give me a hundred more. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It is so good to see everybody out. Amen. Sing of the goodness of the Lord. That, that song's never going to grow old. Amen. That, that's a theme from now throughout eternity. Amen. Every time we see Jesus in heaven, he's still got those scars in his hand. Oh, we're going to drop and sing about the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo. Well, good morning. It is so good to see everybody out and everybody looking so perky and peppy. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. All right. Sister Amy is that way, and her and her helpers are going to bless you and teach you about Jesus. And So praise God for that. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles... If you would go with me to Psalm 73, we want to talk about reclaiming faith's perspective. Reclaiming faith's perspective. And we're going to look at a psalm this morning that is from a worship leader, a music minister, someone that loves God and knows God, but actually got a little frustrated with God. I know no one here ever did that, but in case you do, this psalm is going to talk to you about a, how to handle the inconsistencies, the injustice, the frustrations that we live through and witness all around this fallen world. We're going to read a few verses, and then as we dig into it, we'll read a bunch more. But Psalm 73, and starting with verse 1 through 3, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me... My feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold of faith. For I envied the arrogant or the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, messed him up. Now, verse 16, jump over to verse 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. It was too painful for me, King James. It was painful for me. When I looked at why God was letting them get away with this, and why God wasn't ministering over here like that. 
I struggled with what I saw. This it seemed like it was inconsistent to the God I knew. Verse 17, I was troubled till I entered the sanctuary of God. He got his perspective back. And then I understood their final destiny. You get the upward view and you'll see everything in the right perspective. We begin to get depressed and discouraged and frustrated when we see things from the earthly view. When we climb up a little higher and see things from the view of glory, everything falls into perspective. Let, let us begin reclaiming faith's perspective. When? When things don't look like God's doing what he should do and people are getting away with things and injustice is just haughty and boastful in God, when will you finally reclaiming faith's perspective? This psalm deals with the age-old problem of why... It seems that the righteous suffer while the ungodly seem to prosper. If this never bothered you, you're not living yet. Amen. And it's written by a Levite. I mean, he, he, Asaph was a worship leader, a music minister in David's kingdom while David was reigning. And he's struggling with faith. He's struggling with God. And he's trying to understand what seems like an inconsistency, a paradox. And we're going to see in this psalm five stages that Asaph goes through. Five stages in his experience to reclaim faith's perspective. He turned it around. Thank God for that. He turned it around as we see. And the psalm begins with, God is good. In the last verse, it ends with, it is good. But between those two statements, things are not too good. As Asaph is going to tell us. So number one, we believe. We begin with number one, the believer, the believer. And that, that's sim- simply verse number one. Verse number one, surely God is good to Israel. Standing on what he knows, the believer, standing on what he knows. This is a starting point. He, he looks back at life, and the opening verse of this psalm is a great affirmation of faith. He looks back and sees his history, and he declares his convictions. God is And God is good. When dealing with the mysteries of life, my friend, it's important to hold on to what you know and are sure of. Never ever doubt in the darkness what God has taught you of the light. Some things we can't understand. Some things are frustrating. But don't let go of what you know. God is good and God is in control. And God does love you. And God is working things together. And God is not leaving you. He's standing by your side. And He's promised to be faithful to the very end and bring you through to that finish line. Hold on to what you know. Asap's faith actually creates his struggle. He's, he's not an atheist. He's not an agnostic. He starts out by declaring God is and God is good. And that's a good place for everybody to start. It's a good place to stand. It's a good place to stay. The Bible teaches us don't be moved from your confidence. Don't let go of your good confession. Of faith. I mean, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Hey, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Hang on to your confidence in the Lord. Hang on to your hope in heaven. Hang on to your confidence that God's promises. They are. Yes and amen. And God will finish the work that he began. Don't throw away your confidence. Sometimes the world and what we see and what we feel and what we experience makes us just want to give up our confidence and our faith and give in to doubt and unbelief. But don't throw away your confidence. God says hang in there. It will be worth it all. It will 
will be richly rewarded. What you need to do, what I need to do, is persevere. This is coming times when you get a little tired. Anybody ever get tired in this walk of faith? There's sometimes we get frustrated. It's like, is it even worth it? Oh, friend, it is worth it. The Hebrew says you need to persevere. I need to persevere. So after it's all done and we've done the will of God, we'll receive what God has promised, and God's promises are better than anything this world could offer you. Don't be moved from your confidence, and don't let go of your good confession of faith. The author of Hebrews, just a little while earlier, he says, hold on to your good confession of faith. No matter what you see, declare God is still in control of my life. God is still working things together. God is still holding me in the palm of his hand. Jesus is still my Savior and my Shepherd, and he's with me every step of the way. And I know in whom I have believed in, and I am faithful, I'm persuaded, He. He's able to keep me and hold me and to bring me through to the other side. Can you say amen to that? He starts out, he's a good place to start and stay in a good place to stay. Stay on what you know, on what you're persuaded of. God is and God is good. I mean, whether you wake up feeling and saying, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning. Got to face that guy again. Don't be moved. Because God is and God is good. (laughs) You know, sometimes the walk of faith, it demands of us that we stir ourselves up. David said, encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. Sometimes people aren't there for it. We got to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We're standing on what we're convinced of. We're standing on the things that are yes and amen. And we are confirmed in our hearts. Don't be moved. God is. God is. Oh, let your faith be firmly settled this morning on the truths of God that are unshakable and unchangeable. Those are the truths we must stand on and believe in and declare and live by regardless of what happens in this fallen world. We know that God is and God is good. God is on his throne and God is watching over our lives. God is faithful and God is able. God is loving and God is kind. God is full of mercy and compassion. God is powerful and there's nothing too hard for him. This God is my helper and this God is my healer. This God is my provider. This God is my perfecter. This God is my peace. He is my strength and he is my shield. He is my refuge and he is my great reward. Oh, there's a lot of things in life I don't understand, but there are many, many, many more things that I am firmly persuaded of, completely convinced in. God is and God God is good, and that God is my heavenly Father. Can you say amen? Don't get swayed by these other things. They're trying to bait you. They're trying to little, you know, the hand is faster than the eye. You're moving your faith. You lost your song because you're wondering why that happened to our kid and why it didn't happen to theirs. Why didn't I get their promotion when I was working hard and they're not working nearly as hard, but somehow, oh, I know I'm talking to the right crowd today. If you're living in my world, yeah, but God is. The boss might be a creep, but God is good. Oh, yeah. The person next to me, I'm praying, God either save him or take him, but God is good. (laughs) I'm standing on what I know. There's a lot of things I don't know in this world, but there's a lot of things I know in God. Amen. God is and God is good and God is good to me. Someone say to me. You gotta believe that God's good to me. 
God good to me. You call me fat, ugly, and bald, but God is good, and God is good to me. I don't care what men say or men think. My faith is grounded on thus saith the Lord. Sang that beautiful hymn this morning. Didn't know we were going to sing it. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Woo! Even when the howling storms of doubt and fear try to assail us, but it's by the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. So number one, Asaph starts out as a believer, standing firm on what he knows. But uh uh-oh, number two, the believer starts to doubt, the doubter. Now he's slipping from where he's standing. Look at verses two and three says, but as for me, I know God's good. I know God's in control, but I got to confess something. The ugliness of this world got under my skin. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. That's when he didn't come to church for six weeks. Woo. I nearly lost my foothold. That's when you came in, you're like a bump on a log. You couldn't sing about the goodness of God. Because you're pouting because God didn't give you that raise. Hallelujah. Oh, someone say he's preaching it today. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Get your nickels worth right, right now, brother. Lost my foot. Oh, why? I envied. You better watch who you're looking at. I envied the arrogant or the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Why should they prosper? They're not living right. Isn't that right? God ought to bop them on the head, do something to them. Why, why let them be blessed? We ought to be blessed. We're trying to live right. Isn't that true? <laughs> the believer becomes the doubter. The inconsistencies pained him, we read in verse 16. It troubled him thinking about it. It frustrated him witnessing what was going on in the world. He looked, he observed. He said, Lord, where's the justice here? Lord, why are you letting them get away with that? Hey, Lord, have you forgotten me? Now, this is his descent. His firm foundation starts to become unsettled. He's looking at the wrong thing. His faith is getting shaken a little bit here. He says one thing, but he sees another thing. And the more he measures his situation against the ungodly, the more he begins to slip from his firm foundation. Watch carnal comparisons. Watch temporal comparisons. They'll mess you up every day. Why does it happen to us and not them? Why does it happen to me and not her? Oh, man, that'll mess you up. It shouldn't be like this, Lord. Why are you letting them? Have you forgotten me? Oh, you see, the spirit of the age tries to seduce, seduce our minds and our attitudes and our affections to distort our values and our viewpoint. Trying to push the perspective of God and eternity out of our minds. But don't let the hurts and the inconsistencies of life distort your view of reality. And reality is eternity. Reality is eternity. (laughs) And it's not over yet. But you can see it's beginning to um, get the best of our worship leader. It's beginning to get under his skin. It's beginning to um, mess with this faith. And if we are not careful, if we get so caught up in comparing and why is this one that and why isn't that and what, if we do all that, it begins to betray and cripple sound judgment, sound speech, sound attitudes. 
We have to remember and never ever lose sight of eternity. Looking at things through the lens of the eternal and the divine. What do I mean? Weigh your values. Weigh your values. Measure your priorities. Screen your choices. Harness your ambitions by that which is eternal. By that which is of heaven and that which will last. Jesus asked a crowd one time, Matthew 16, verse 26, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What good is it, he said, to be, for someone to gain the world, make it to the hall of fame, but not make it into heaven? Make it to the top of the ladder in your company, but lose your soul along the way yet forfeit their soul. Or what can someone give in exchange? What, how, what do you have that you can bribe God? What do we have that we can give to God and somehow make him give us a grade we didn't deserve? Always ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth losing heaven over? We see the believer and he's standing. Now we see Asap the doubter and he's slipping. And now we see Asap the wrestler because he's struggling. He's struggling. Outside the notes, but that's why when you go through a real crisis, she walks out on you. They fired you because they set you up because they wanted their cousin to get the job that he didn't deserve. When you go through a crisis, the doctor shakes his head and it's not a good report, though you're living holy. And the guy smoking three packs a day seems, seems as healthy as a horse. Now, when we go through crisis, it's very, very important. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard, because we're very vulnerable at those times. Isn't that right? When I'm doing good, good. I'm glad everyone's doing good. But when all of a sudden I go through a time, my heart is very vulnerable to be swayed and afflicted and affected by the enemy's darts. That'll try to get me bitter and negative and wanting to give up and wanting to surrender. Can you say amen to that? That's why when people go through certain crises in life, the body has to gather around them. Isn't that true? When that arm gets broken, the other arm protects it. You see what I mean? When something's wounded, we make... And that's why it's important, you see, when someone goes through something, the body gathers around with extra prayer and extra TLC. Because they're extra vulnerable at that time. Oh, Lord, speak to us this morning. They speak to us. Or the wrestler, he looks around. He looks within. His confidence drifts to confusion. His confusion moves him to comparison. His comparison causes him to complaining. Complaining almost causes him to crumble. His two major problems here, he's, something's wrong with his vision, therefore something becomes wrong with his values. Something's wrong with his vision. Watch your focus. Watch what you admire. He's being sucked in. He's being seduced. He's being provoked by things that don't make sense in the natural, but we're not supposed to be measuring things from the natural. We measure things from the eternal if you're a child of God. It's causing him to turn. Guard your emotions. Guard your affections. Many a spiritual disaster begins with a broken focus. 
a misplaced vision, a misplaced attention. Whether it's Eve, David, Lot's wife, Demas, Judas, on and on and on. Again, something is wrong with his vision. He's lost vision of the eternal. He's starting to look down here in the temporal. And as he's looking in the temporal, his values get very temporal. Oh. But you know the Bible says to fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. The, the Bible teaches us to set our minds and affections on things above. He's thinking by the values of this world, not the values of the world to come. He's allowing hurt and frustration and injustice of the present life to almost cause him to forfeit the next life. Our feet start to slip when our vision and our values slip. And we begin to question God's goodness and God's government. God's government, yeah, that's how God's running things. Very dangerous when we start questioning how God's running things. God's running things just the way he wants to run things. Mm, 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 mm. As the old preacher said, don't measure the wicked at sunrise. Measure them at sunset. Hold off your final judgments until the sunset and the ball game's over. And as for you, child of God, when you're going through your fight of faith and you're facing the inconsistencies, the unfairness, the injustice of life. Remember, 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 you're not home yet. The race isn't over yet. It's like that old story of the missionary couple in the 1900, early 1900, came home from a lifetime in Africa. And back in those days, you didn't raise funds, you just went. And so you came back with nothing. And they came back after a lifetime of serving God. Had to come back to New York City and get a job and finish off the remaining years in a little apartment. And the old guy was getting a little discouraged, I guess. You know, ministry can take its toll. And as they came back, there was no one to greet them. There was no one even there to welcome them home. It was just him and his wife. But on that same large ship coming from Africa happened to be old Teddy Roosevelt after one of his, um, his big hunting expeditions. And they greeted him with a small band. There was a small band. There were posters and signs welcoming the ex-president back. And, and the, the old man, got, he, he saw things. He's like ASAP. He began to slip. He got frustrated. He said, Lord, we served you faithfully with all our lives. We put aside so much in this world just to go to an ungodly and hard place and lay down our lives and we come back and he's got a band because he shot a couple of rhinos. He, he's, got a, he's got people cheering him on because he went on a hunting trip and here we are after having served you and we come home, there's nothing. And he did that for a while until God said, son, but you got it wrong because you're not home yet. And when you get home, child of God, it'll be worth it all. When you get home, there'll be more than some three-string band waiting for you to come into glory. When you get home, there'll be a prize, there'll be a reward like this world has never seen. And sometimes we allow the enemy to suck us into the temporal and we begin to doubt God and criticize the way God's doing things and the justice of God. No, 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 no. You're measuring at the sunrise. It's not sunset yet. When the call is over and the game has finished, then take a good look. You won, you won, you won. You're with Jesus and that far outweighs it all. But we got to remind ourselves that, don't we? Amen. Why do we have the miscarriage? 
They're spitting out healthy babies. Every time they turn around, they're not even faithful to one another. That's all we ever wanted. I worked hard, showed up early. Gave their promotion to some other joker as he went out drinking with the boss. Don't lose your praise. Don't lose your song. Don't, don't, don't get sucked into valuing things. No, no, it's not where it's not it's not sunset yet. It's not, it's not sunset yet. Hallelujah. Think about it. This godly man is now looking at the worldly and he's losing the victory. And he's starting to get defeated. Oh, my. Let's walk through this. Number one, he's envious of their prosperity. Verses 3 through 5. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, they seem to have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy. They don't got no sciatica. My Lord, they live in crazy. Isn't that right? They're, they're out there, and they're, they're, they're doing good. They look like they're free from the common human burdens. They're not plagued at all. Listen, they don't got care in the world. Why are we always burdened? Because we care. Envious of their prosperity. But listen, don't be envious of the prosperity because their prosperity will come to naught. He says, they have peace and plenty. Well, that's probably not true. But even if they do, it's a vapor, the Bible says. It's a mist. It's coming to an end. It can't last. It won't last. But guess what? Ours does and ours will. You know, Jesus said, store up treasures in. If you're living right and you're seeking first God's kingdom, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus said in heaven, they can't rust, they can't be robbed, they can't spoil, and they can't fade. There's coming a day when all this temporal things will be no more and God will throw it aside. But those that have sought God and lived for God and lived the way God said, their reward is in heaven and their riches and what they've earned are there. There was a true story that... um, Forbes magazine bought back in the 80s at the time, I think the most expensive bottle of wine. It was owned by Thomas Jefferson. I think he might have had made it in his place, um, but a German collector had it. And Forbes magazine bought it for about, I don't know, $150,000 to $200,000 for one bottle. Comes out about $23,000 a glass. Well, they wanted to show it off. So they put it in a museum with all the, you know, the lights, how a museum you put in there. Well, I don't know a whole bunch about wine, but I know that's not what you do with wine, right? Dark cellars where it doesn't get spoiled. So in a matter of time, as the collector that sold it to him said, in a matter of time, the most expensive bottle of wine became the most expensive bottle, tongue-in-cheek, of vinegar on the face of the earth. It spoiled. It rotted. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and they cherished it and they prized it. It faded away. It spoiled. You know, Peter says, First Peter, that fourth verse, that you and I that love the Lord, that you and I that love Jesus, we have an inheritance for us that will never fade, never spoil, or never drift away. We have something kept in heaven for us. God's keeping it. God's watching over it. And when you get there, it will be glorious. It'll be there. It'll be firm. It'll be for Forever, you have an inheritance that'll never fade away. They're envious of the world's prosperity. Don't be. What Trump and 
Gates and all them have is nothing compared to what the believer will enjoy forever. Mark that down. That comes from the B-I-B-L-E. They're envious of their prosperity. And then he's, he's upset because of their pride. I can understand that. Verses 6 through 9. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They're a cocky group. They clothe themselves with violence. They're boastful. Their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations has no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession on earth. He's upset because, now don't be upset because of their pride grieves us, but don't let it get you. Every man will give an account of himself to God. That big shock can be haughty. He can think he's something because of the car he drives or the check he can write. But if he's not godly and he don't know Jesus, he'll stand before the living God one day and give an answer to everything he didn't do with that blessing, to every life he didn't touch with that blessing from heaven. How many know God is not impressed with man's pride? In fact, James 4 and 6 says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You can't get to heaven without the grace of God. Amen? You're not going to get any grace if you're not humble. So if someone's proud, you're not making it in. But, but I, I bought them a, a beautiful window. Hey, if you're not humble in your heart before God and you're proud and cocky, you're not making it in. Don't let the arrogant, the arrogance of this world sway you. Everyone will have to give an answer to God. Again, don't measure. Don't measure at sunrise. Wait till sunset. Wait till sunset. See, God's not impressed with the pride of man. And neither should we. And neither should we. I remember reading a story of a, a flight in the Denver airport that got canceled. And there was a heavily booked commercial flight. And it was canceled. And there was one single agent that had to rebook a long line of inconvenient travelers. And suddenly an angry passenger pushed his way to the front, slapped his ticket down on the counter, and says, I've got to be on the next flight. I've got to be first class. She said, I'm sorry, sir. I'll be happy to help you, but first let me take care of the people in front of you. And he was unimpressed. He says, do you have any idea who I am? He demanded in a loud voice, loud enough for people around him to hear. And without hesitation... (laughs) Their gate agent smiled, that sweet smile. And she picked up the public address microphone and said, May I have your attention, please? She broadcasted throughout the terminal. We have a passenger here at the gate who does not know who he is. If anyone can help him find his identity, please come to the gate. (laughs) She wasn't impressed, was she? I got news. God's not impressed. We shouldn't be impressed. And everyone that's cocky and boastful and think you're something, you'll have to stand before the living God and give an account. Can you say amen to that? We just keep walking in love and walking in humility. Don't let it get you. They'll have to give an account. And nobody gets away with nothing. How do you like that English? I don't care what kind of dream team you can hire when you get before the bar of God. You better know something about the grace and the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Envious of their prosperity. His faith is being shaken. Look at that. Why are they making more than me? 
we're trying, we paid tithe, and how come our roof leaking and there didn't leak? Oh, my Lord. Envious of pride, upset of their pride. Boy, that guy, I'd like to, don't worry, God will. Hang on, pray for him. Pray that God changes his heart. Because if he don't change his heart, I'll have to stand before the living God one day. So don't worry about it. Don't get you down. Jealous of their popularity. This is where the young folks get sucked in. This is a trapping for the younger people, for the most part. Verses 10 through 12. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They drink the Kool-Aid. The world takes it all in. You know, you can get, I see these people, I don't even know who in the world these people are. They must hire a press agent to make them sound like they're something. They've never done anything. And everyone wants to get, it's crazy. Where the world exalts whatever. But then the whole sway that runs after them. Verse 11, they say, how can God know? God can't do anything. Does the Most High know? Don't worry about God. That's just something your parents tell you to keep you straight. Live it up. That's what the wicked are like. They're always free of care, carefree. Eat, drink, and be merry. Jealous of their popularity. You see, the world worships the wealthy, the successful, the beautiful, the powerful, the popular. And they run after those things. And so often we see the younger generation get sucked into it, carried away with its spell thinking this is what it's all about. It's that spirit of the world. It's that pride of life. Don't be quick to follow the crowd. Stay with Jesus on that narrow way, on the right way. Strive for what God applauds because the Bible says, Proverbs 14 and 12, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that others might be paying big money to go listen to their concerts. They might have their posters all over. They might think that's what it's all about. But in the end, there is a way that the crowd runs. There is a way that men applaud and they really think it's the cat's meow. But in the end, the problem is not so much what kind of road is it, but where's that road headed? They live To live a life of faith, we must understand God's perspective on the world and in the world to come. And we need to walk and evaluate and appreciate by faith, not by sight. Billy Graham wrote some years ago, the Christian is to live with a different perspective in life, a set of values totally different from the non-Christian. Because worldliness, that this pride of life where we think these things are so cool that God considers not so much. Worldliness is a spirit, it's an attitude, it's an atmosphere. An influence permeating the whole human society. And it needs to be guarded against constantly and strenuously. We get to verse 13 and Asap reaches his low point. Oh, this is a bad one here. I don't know if you've ever said it. I hope you haven't. But verse 13, he says, you know what? Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In vain I've washed my hands in innocence. I've always taken the high road. What good was it? 
I turned the other cheek. What did that get me? He's at that point. He's saying, I wonder if all my striving and my sacrifice and my commitment to God was even worth it. He says, in vain, I've kept myself pure. Christian, don't you ever forget it. It is worth it. It is worth it. The glory that awaits us far outweighs all the sacrifice, all the suffering, and all the challenges and injustices we have to deal with in this fallen world. So don't let anything cause you to forsake your commitment to Christ. Don't let any person or anything cause you to back off from going hard after God and living for all you have for Jesus. This life is a vapor. James says it's a vapor. It's like the fog in the morning. It's really foggy. It's six by seven. It's gone. And that's how the glory of man is. But eternity is unchanging and it's forever. This life's disappointments and inconsistencies affect every one of us. Everyone has got stung by it. Everyone's gotten bitten by it. But don't let anything cause you to ever forsake your faith and your devotion to Jesus Christ. Don't take the bait of the world that's somehow trying to get you to think that God's not good because God is good. To somehow make you think it's not worth it. It is worth it. The game's not over yet. The believer and then the doubter and then the wrestler. But praise God, things are about to change. The worshiper. The worshiper. He sees the bigger picture. He sees the bigger picture. He's going to begin to reclaim face perspective. He looks up. That's where you got to look. Look up. Amen. Look up. And the ascent begins. This is the turning point. In spite of having a confused mind and a pained heart, Asaph goes to the temple of God and presents his case to the Lord. Oh, that's good. Keep coming to God's house. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep standing firm on his word. Keep bringing your burdens and your pains and your battles to God. Child of God, there is a place where you can go and there's one that you can always call on. There is a great physician. There is a wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus and he loves you with an everlasting love. This world is not fair. This world is not always easy. There are things that frustrate us. There are things that offend us. There are things that hurt us. There are things that make us scream, why God, why? But don't let those things take you away from God. Let those things drive you closer to God. Let those things always bring you to the place of coming to the great throne of the grace of God Almighty. Don't be ashamed to pour out your heart. Don't be ashamed to be honest with the pain of life, but bring it to the right one and bring it to the right place. For in His presence, you'll find a comfort. In His presence, you'll find a ministering grace. In His presence, He'll get your perspective back on what matters and what things will be like 10 years, 100 years, a million years from now. In His presence, He'll minister grace to your wounded heart and He'll give clarity to your confused mind. Oh, somebody, Jesus loves you. Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Your pain, that injustice, that thing that never should have happened to you, but it happened to you, because this world is full of sinners and wicked people. Bring it to me. And let me minister and help you. Climb up and get heaven's perspective and listen for heaven's message. He still has a word that refreshes the weary. 
He still has a word that comforts the troubled. Get back to his truth. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Now, verse 17, that's the turning point. He's getting that focus back. I like it. He had just said, I, I look, I thought about this, and it pained me, it troubled me. But now, verse 17, until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. Oh, now I'm getting it. Now I'm getting it. Now I'm getting it. Where's be right? So when we walk by sight, all we can see are the price tags of life. But when we walk by faith, we discover the values, the values, what really matters. It's time to get a fresh perspective. Here's the ascent to stability. And here the worshiper is going to, this point's going to blend with the last point, which is the conqueror. Because if you'll keep worshiping, you'll be more than a conqueror. Amen? If you'll keep worshiping, keeping your eyes on the Lord, you'll have the grace to go on. You'll see things from the right perspective. And how's that old song go? Um, um, I think, um, I think sister, sister, um, um, used to sing it. I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Yeah. We're going to heaven. And when we get there, trust me, trust me, it will be worth it all. Oh my. Here we go. You ready? You ready? Number one. The ascent to stability. Verse 17 is where it starts. It's returning to God. If you're here today and need to return to God, don't leave before you do. If you've slipped, if you've run out of gas, if you are having an attitude towards God because something happened that maybe it shouldn't have happened, but it did, come and talk with God. And let God embrace you and restore you gave you right perspective. Get back in there. There's no disappointment in this life that is worth losing out on the next life. Amen? The ascent. Return to God. Verse 17. Love it till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their destiny. You can talk cocky. You can build your big buildings. But there's coming a day. And that's what matters. I'm not, I'm not going to be lost at sunrise, sunset. That's when the measurement takes place. This is where we see clearly and evaluate properly, and this is where we get the victory. We return to God, back to the sanctuary of God. This is the place in God's presence. There's fullness of joy in His presence. Our strength gets renewed. Our heart gets healed. Our vision and focus gets restored. What's that, what's that thing people have that tell them what direction they're going in? EKGs? No, that's for your heart. What's that? GPS. I knew it was something like that. Amen. That's for the old pacemaker. No, amen. Amen. Isn't that right? But, but there, 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 there's a heavenly GPS. There's a heavenly presence of God. The word of God. Amen. But, but life will mess you up. Isn't that true? I, I see some people. Turn left. Five minutes ago. Turn left. What do you mean turn left? A parking lot. Turn left. No, 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 that world stuff, don't worry about that. But God's got a GPS, it's all right, amen? His GPS won't be taking you down the wrong way street in the middle of the night, all right. Return to God, don't get swayed or sucked in, but take it back, take back your perspective. Can I give you a little hint? If you're going to live this Christian life, you've got to have a little, little err in you. You've got to want it. You've got to have a little, I hate the devil, and I refuse to lose, I'm going to go on with Jesus in you, Amen? Can I just tell you that? You gotta stir yourself up. You gotta encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you gotta give yourself a little Holy Ghost pep talk. It's in the book. Psalm 42. Anybody remember Psalm 42? That psalmist had to give himself a pep talk. 
Why art thou cast down on my soul? Something you got to talk to yourself. Now, if you start talking back, we got problems, but that's okay. Remember Psalm 4? Why art thou cast down on my soul? Hope thou in God, for you shall yet praise him. He's saying, soul, don't get down. Don't get defeated. Don't get discouraged. God's not done yet. God's going to bring you through. You're going to praise him in the end. But this God cannot lose. And you're his child. And he is committed to you. Hope thou in God. Number one, he returns to God. And number two, he reviews the big picture. Get the big picture. Somebody please get the big picture. I know it hurts now. Sometimes life can hit you and you don't know if you got strength to get out of bed the next morning. You don't want to get out of bed the next morning. It's a big picture. God's got something better. God's not finished yet. Verses 18 through 20. He's going to get the big picture. He says, you know what? These people that have been getting the best of me and they've been arrogant and all this and I've been letting them Surely, verse 18, God, fact is, you place them on a slippery, I'm not slipping, they're slipping on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly. You can be driving that Mercedes one day and stand before the living God the next. You better make sure your heart's right. You can drive anything you want to drive. I wish I could drive something a little better. But anyhow, no, I'm not saying, I'm a Corolla man myself, but anyhow, um, how suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrorists. Oh, they think there's something now. Should have feared the Lord. They are like a dream when one awakes. They're going to wake up. When you arise, O oh Lord, you despise them as fantasies. Wow. Wow. He reviews the big picture. He looks at the whole picture beginning to end. And he saw the future sunset he saw the future and listen the future is inescapable you're going to stand before god one day you could stand rejoicing as a son and daughter that hears well done thy good and faithful servant you could stand with complete confidence because you know you stand in the righteousness of christ with the blood of jesus or is one that ran from him ignored him disobeyed him thought you could chump him you get to choose you know, there's only two pathways, and in the end, there's only two destinations. That's getting to the end, but let me get back to my message here. He reviews the big checks. He finds out, you know what, those people that are getting the best of me, they seem secure, but the key question is not always where you are or what you got, but it's where you're going. And what will your final destination be? Isn't that right? <laughs> Before you get envious of the ungodly, Remember, it might seem like they're having an easier time on the road of life. But don't ever forget, they're headed the wrong way. And as the old Baptist preacher once said, there is a payday someday. Oh, R.G. Lee. It's, it's a slippery place where they're standing. And at sunset, those that boasted they didn't need God, those that lived in arrogance against God, the wicked shall fall, we just read. But at the sunrise, you see, at sunrise they can boast. At sunrise they mock. At sunrise they can indulge and 
live unbridled, to live ungodly. But when the sun sets, only two roads and only two destinations. But as for you, child of God, as for you that love Jesus, as for you that are seeking first the kingdom of God, listen, as for you, reassure yourself in God's love and in God's goodness. What's it say there in verse 23 and and 24? Yet I always have you. Yet I'm always with you. Lord, you hold me by the right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, oh, I love this. Afterwards, you're going to take me into glory. They're on a slippery place. I'm headed to glory. My destination's glorious. Your destination is glorious. I love that. And afterwards, you're going to take me into glory. You see, the way of the righteous, the way of living right and being a true Christian, it may be rough at times. And we might have our battles to fight. We might have things we must deal with and endure. But we're standing on a solid rock, not a slippery slope, praise God. And when the sun does go down, and when it's all over, And when our work on earth is done, we'll still have God and we'll still have the place God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, it'll be a glorious sunset for the child of God. Can you say amen to that? Keep your eye on the future. Keep your eye on the eternal. Oh, my, 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 my. Because for the unbeliever, the best they have is here. That's the best. For us, the best is yet to come. So, friend, listen, whenever you feel as though God hasn't been fair with you or the world's getting away with this or that, read these verses and see how rich and blessed you really are that love the Lord. The world might have this and that. They might seem like, but they're not getting away. But if they don't have Jesus, they don't have anything. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. They return to God. He reviews the big picture. He reassures himself of the goodness of God and the love of God. And finally, it ends with he reestablishes his faith in God. He comes back to his good confession and confidence in God. Look at this 25, 26, and 28. 25, who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. All these other things aren't going to steal my soul. All these other temporal things, even if they're nice things, I'm not losing my soul for them, that's for sure. Amen? My flesh and my heart may fail. Yeah, I know. Now I take my bumps, bruises. This old temple, not what it used to be. You don't need to say amen to that, but amen. You know, that's a... But God... But God, oh, harashaka, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, forever, forever. Who is at verse 28? He's finishing this thing. But as for me, it is good to be near God. That's where I want to stay. Amen. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your good deeds. Glory be to God forevermore. He reestablished faith. I almost slipped, but then I went to church and got my perspective back. 
I almost slipped. This is what they did. But then I said, oh, no, devil, you're not going to fool me. I got back in my prayer closet at home and had a little talk with Jesus. Amen? And he reminded me of his word. He gave me a good promise. He got me thinking. He reminded me of what really matters, and that's eternity. So get back to our original confidence in our confession and our consecration before the Lord. Let's make up our minds. I'm not ashamed to live for Jesus. I'm living for eternity. I'm seeking first God's kingdom. And I'm focused on what really matters. As for me. As for me. I like that, how he ends it. But as for me. can Can you finish that in your own life? But as for me. Can you complete that sentence? But as for me. But as for me. Whatever happens. Even if it's fair. Unfair. Whatever happens. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to make heaven my home. But as for me, I'll serve the Lord. And I'm going to live for that which is eternal. And as for me and my house, we're going to honor God. And we're going to serve God. Let me wind this down, but listen carefully. One day, you will come to the sunset of your days. And every moment takes us a step closer to that day. What do you want to be like when your sun goes down? What good will so many things be that you might be prizing when the sun goes down? Decide today the road you'll take. Decide today the one you'll serve. Decide today the ending you will have. Because you can choose it, but as for me. So as we close... And we open the altars and we sing a song of thanksgiving and confidence in the goodness of God. Amen? And things that are eternal. We always go to salvation rededication. If you're within the sound of my voice, if you're slipping or drifting, now's the time to start turning it around. Now's the time to make a fresh surrender. Now's the time to let God strengthen your heart restore your perspective and get you going back in the right direction with the right attitude and the right confidence. Maybe you're here today and you're heading in the right direction, but if you're honest, you say, I'm battling. I'm battling. I'm straining. I'm heading the right way. I refuse to take the devil's bait, but I'm battling. And maybe you are, and today's your day to renew your strength. And just allow the men and women of God to pray one for another and believe God together. That we can get back out there with a new strength. Because if hell can't turn you around, it'll try to wear you out. If hell can't turn you around, it'll try to wear you out. Some of us wouldn't turn around for anything. We've gone too far, been through too much. That book, that thing's closed, amen? If we would have turned around, we would have done it many times in our day. We had reasons, and men would have said, we're going forward. Next thing the devil will try to do is just wear you out. You don't shout like you used to shout. You're not excited like you used to be excited. You're not consistent like you used to be consistent. No, no, you're not going to go to hell for that, but you're going to go forward. But you're strained and you're wearied by it. Let God renew your strength. Let God do something fresh. Get a fresh vision. Get a fresh vitality. Can you say amen to that?
Now, we open these altars. If you would like prayer or you would like to come and pray, you're invited. May we all, as we sing our final song and open the altar, may we all express our faith and our devotion to God in this final song. Would you stand with me, please? Pray the final prayer. Sing the final song. And as we sing, this altar will be open. If you need to make a fresh commitment, do so. If you're slipping, if you're straying, it's time to turn it around. Or maybe you're just weary. Maybe you're weary. Life can be exhausting at times. Life can drain you. It's just reality, spiritually, emotionally. And you're here in the house of God. His house is called a house of prayer. So we can pray one for another. That's why we call the family of God, the body of Christ. That if you're here today and you're just weary, going through some injustice, going through some battles, maybe you don't deserve. But the fact is, you can't escape them. Well, you've got brothers and sisters that'll stand with you and pray for you. We've all been through stuff. We could talk about it, bring us all to tears. We all know our own stories. So if you're tired and you're not where you used to be, let's make a fresh commitment. Let's get a fresh filling. Let's get out there and finish strong. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the great salvation and the assurance we have in you. Help us, O oh God, to keep our eyes on eternal things, to weigh and to evaluate all things by the eternal and the divine standard. Keep us living for what truly matters, O oh God. Protect us from being swayed and deceived and affected by the inconsistencies, the unfairness, the lies of this world. And Lord, help each one of us to stand firm, to live right, and to finish strong for Jesus' sake. Now, Father, as we sing this final song, we open the altar. In the name of Jesus, let your power flow. If someone needs a healing touch, as they reach out, Father, release your healing virtue. Let it heal them. Let it mend them. Let it drive out. Let it make them whole. Anyone's here that's weary and tired, as they look to you and cast that burden of whatever they're facing upon you, oh God, reach down and fill them with a new strength and a new hope and a new confidence. Father, we pray move powerfully and let your power be demonstrated mightily at this altar right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. The altars are open. Let's